Welcome back to Switched On, a platform for our emerging generations who are looking at belonging to a community that upholds what it means to learn and grow from life's experiences in order to fulfill one's potential, becoming more switched on in the process. Enjoy the episode. Well, 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 we are back in the booth. Welcome back to another Switched On podcast. I'm back with Bubba. How are you, mate? Mate, I am very, very good today. Um, yeah. I'm up and about this morning. How are you going? Yeah, bloody good, mate. And we are joined by my cousin, Lockie John, mate. How are you going? Very well, very well. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, I'm so stoked you're here. Um, we'll kick it off. So we asked every guest at the start of the potty, what, what did you do this morning to get switched on? Um, not a hell of a lot, really. I uh, just uh, got up, um, went down to uh, the shops, got some brekkie, and then came home. Chilled out. Yeah. Um, got ready to come down here. See you guys. No, bloody oath. And so, yeah, Lockie's my cousin um, on my dad's biological side because dad was adopted. So I've got three families kind of like that. But um, so, like, Lockie's my blood relative, which is awesome. And we can go into that family tree a little bit later because it's a little bit all over the place. We've got Lockie to interesting. Des- describe that. But yeah, mate. So, so stoked that you get we get to have you in. And, um, Oh, sorry, Braden signaled me. What did we get do to get switched on? Braden, what did you get do to get switched on this morning? Jeez, this bloke. Huh? <laughs> you get carried away. I'm, ex- I'm excited. I've got my cousin in the booth. I'm excited. Another Esperance product. Mate. <laughs> so, uh, this morning, mate, usual walk, meditate, read. But I got uh, this morning was different, and that's why I'm selfing about because it rained on me this morning. Yeah. But I was probably halfway through, and you know, like you can. I, went, I could have gone two ways, but it was actually, it was like sprinkling. It was so nice. Like, yes. So I love that. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, I'm just going to keep walking. <laughs> it was just so nice. And um, yeah, so that's why I'm up and about. Like it's just a change in weather. Yeah. Which I, but just the, the usual morning got me switched on, but just that, that change in the weather, mate. Yeah. Well, a lot of the rain. time people can be walking and say, oh shit, it's raining. Like I'll, I'll just go back inside. But it was like, no, nah, embrace it. I throw it as well. Like, I went to the, for myself, I went to the beach this morning, uh, just after I woke up and like, yeah, just similar to yourself, bro, like started raining on me and it's like, have you ever been for a swim and it's like raining when you're in the water? So nice. It's so nice, man. We yeah. are from Esperance, remember? <laughs> the, the rain is warmer than the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Bloody earth. We'll get back into, um, sort of where I was going before, but thanks for that, bro. Tell, tell me to get back. So, uh, yeah, lucky mate, you've had a very, I don't know, all over the place journey, like here, moving here, there and everywhere and a lot of experiences and I'm keen to get into it a lot. But so tell us a bit more about yourself, like for the listeners, because obviously I'm well aware, but and Braden too. Um, all right. So I'm a singer songwriter. Um, uh, I'm originally from Esperance. Uh, when I was 12, we moved up to the Pilbara, spent a lot of time up there. And um, now I'm based in Frio, got a band, uh, Lockie John and the Red Bellies. As you well, shout do. out. <laughs> Um, so we've been playing around the place for the last, uh, two and a bit years. Um, uh, mostly around Freo at some of the venues down there. Bloody good, um, might I add. I love, <laughs> love coming to your gigs. Thanks, mate. Um, but we've been hitting the, the festival scene a little bit. Um, we've played at, uh, Fairbridge Festival, at, um, Whamfest, um, uh, and most recently we just did Nanup Music Festival, which was huge, um, and been having a really good time playing lots lots of different styles, I guess. Uh, alternative, blues roots, folk rock, 
um, even a bit of rock and roll when we can. So um, it's been a really, really cool journey the last couple of years and, and it's what I moved down here for. So um, getting a band together and, and doing some gigs with my original music is, is something that I couldn't do up in the Pilbara. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I'm here. Yeah, and then, I mean... So even when going back to when you used to like camp up at my place, back to when you were going to school, <laughs> school, school at Aquinas, um, you'd always have your guitar by with, like next year and it'd be singing and strumming along and I would just love it. And just, you're not, you're not serenading me, bro. I just remember in the, in the backyard <laughs> and you're playing John Butler to me and, oh man, I still just great memories for myself, but it's always been very inspiring for me and just, yeah, see into what it's grown into today has just been just super admirable. Yeah, so we'll go back to that. So you got to, like Brian said it before, we got to Esperance Boys. What was it like going up in Esperance? Um, cold. No, <laughs> it was great. Uh, we we loved it down there. And, you know, it's funny, I I feel the cold so badly these days. Um, but uh, I don't even remember, you know, other than the early mornings on the farm, um, don't really remember the cold so much in Esperance. You know, we... we um, We'd be down at the footy and Dad would be playing footy and uh, we'd be running around in our footy shorts and Guernseys and, um, you know, it's bloody 15 degrees or something. <laughs> we didn't feel it. Um, but, it, you know, beautiful beaches, obviously. Um, so we spent a lot of time, especially in summer, at the beach, especially out at the Duke. Um, but on the farm was 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 a, a great spot as well. Our Easter Esperance out near a place called Condingup. Um, which is where we went to primary school. Um, it was a great, great time, great childhood, um, you know, running around the farm and, and going down to the beach for a, for a fish or a surf or um, whatever. And there was, you know, four of us boys, all very close in age, and we, we used to run a bit of a muck, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, it was really hard to, to leave Esperance, you know, because um, we – had not really known anywhere else as home, and um, it's uh, it's funny because my family ended up back down there eight years later, so they're down there now, which is mm. really great because I've got an excuse to go back. <laughs> yeah, and you actually knew Braden from Esperance before you both <laughs> moved up, eh? Yeah, yeah so, so yeah, um, I was just going to touch on quickly the cold, mate. I <laughs> it's the exact same. I grew up same thing. Not you just this, like you're not cold. I'd go back there on trackies jumper jacket. Like it's freezing <laughs> yeah. down there, man. Um, so that's funny you mentioned the same thing. I feel the cold so much more now. But um, yeah, we grew like I I knew um, Lockie through growing up, and um, you know followed his music and um, through parts of it. And obviously, when you mentioned that you were cousins, I was like, what? Like it's just <laughs> such a small world. But um, yeah, like like you said earlier, it's great to see more people like. As hard as it would have been for you to move from Esperance as a family and then from the Pilbara, um, you know, it's just another thing that, you know, from a small country town, what you can sort of do, which I'm keen to get into soon. But, um, yeah, it's been cool to follow the journey. Oh, awesome. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> well, similar kind of journeys, I guess, like moving out of Esperance and then going on to bigger and better things like Braden with your footy and yeah, absolutely. music. So. And uh, that was a, a bit of a surprise, you know, uh, I think we were living up in the Pilbara at that time and, and seeing your name pop up on, on uh, my favourite team's uh, list. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely awesome. Yeah, it's um, been, um, I don't know, it's just like this thing that like I just love when you see 
it's not just estrons, but a lot more country kids because look, it's a lot harder to get to where you want to get to when you're in the country. Like you make excuses, like you know, there is all the excuses out there in the world, but like it is harder to make it yeah. to, to do what you want to do. Like because it's not just it's just the opportunity, you know. You, it's the it might be the funding, the costing of things, the travel. You know, there's all all that sort of thing, but they're all excuses as well. And it's just so good to see more people in the country like that are making their way to Perth and pursuing their dreams. So it's um yeah, it's exciting. Mm. Um, and you've always been a big fan of music. I do want to ask you. Oh, I'll ask you, and just so let the listeners and Braden know, who has been your biggest inspiration um, in the music scene? Do you think? Oh, that's a that's a hard question. I think because I've been. Um, now that I've been playing it, uh, playing in a local scene for a while, it's 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 different to when I first started. So you know, when I first started in music, I was I was about um, sixteen. Started playing a bit of, um, well, my first instrument was actually harmonica. Yes, uh, and then the didge, and then into um, guitar and songwriting. Um, but back then, you know, my influences were people like. John Butler and Bernard Fanning, Xavier Rudd, um, The Waifs, and, um, you know, they're the sort of people I grew up listening to, especially through my dad. He loves all, all of that sort of stuff. So um, those guys were my huge influences um, on, on my sound and um, my style. Um, but now moving down into the scene and having been playing on it for a while, there's, there's a lot of my, my local um, local uh, heroes, yeah. I guess you could say. Um, a big one for me was uh, Jack Davies and the Bush Chooks. Yep, um, great band. Absolutely awesome band. And I think for me, as a, especially in the beginning, a really folky musician, wondering if there is still a scene for that sort of music, um, seeing them play and uh, seeing them have such a, um, you know, such great success. Um, early on in their career with that style of music was so inspiring because it was like, I can do this with this style of music that is me. I yeah. don't have to change my um, way or, or my genre um, or, you know, even just pop it up a bit um, just because I want people to listen or come to shows. Um, so they're, they're a huge um, one of mine and I've been lucky enough to be able to get to know a lot of these crew and, and um, uh, you know, lucky enough to call some of them my mates now who I, um, you know, get to see around the scene quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I think um, my music influence has been very much taste, uh, like influenced, sorry, by my dad. Um, and, and my mum, but yeah, more more so Tomo, <laughs> more so my dad. Yeah. Um, I was waiting for Powderfinger, eh? <laughs> I was waiting for that. Oh, well, Bernard Fanning, yeah, Powderfinger. Yeah, yeah, Powderfinger is definitely uh, my favourite band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, my old man has definitely influenced all of that. So even though we never grew up with a lot of uh, live music around us or with parents or grandparents or anything that played instruments, we always had music on in the house, so oftentimes instead of the TV. Um, so music has always been around, um, and I think that's where um, we 
get such a passion for it. You know, us kids all love music and, and two of us have ended up going on to play music. So, um, the twins, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of influences there. Um, and I think we, especially now that we've got the band together and we're all playing the best that we've sort of been playing, we can incorporate all those different influences. And I think I'm really happy with where we're at now. Um, cause I think we do that really nicely and we mm. can pick and choose our set lists for the show. If we're playing a show with a bunch of other really rocky bands, we'll play all our rocky songs. If we're playing a folkier show, we'll play more of our folky stuff. Um, and so we can really cater to our, um, our audience and our shows, um, depending on, on, yeah, what's necessary for that. So, yeah, I really love what you said and we kind of touched on it in other episodes as well. Just like finding your, like when you said you're finding your own voice in terms of like getting all your inspiration, but like your, like your Jack Davies and Noah Dillons and stuff, and then find that your own voice and well, we refer to it as your most authentic self. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we love going into that and cause it's very inspiring for other people to also go out and do what they're the most passionate about and just, and find their place. But that, but that takes time, right? Yeah. It takes a lot of time. And I think, you know, that that's been one of the biggest parts of my journey is, is, is finding that, that authentic self. Um, I was never planning on doing music as, as a career, as, as, you know, never planning to follow music as a career. And I was at boarding school and I, I'd always wanted to get into wildlife and conservation since I was a tiny little kid. And, um, since growing up on the farm. And yeah. <laughs> and much to, um, much to my, my parents and my teachers, uh, um, disbelief, I, uh, two weeks into year 12 decided I wanted to, to quit my ATAR to follow <laughs> music. Um, and that's probably not something most parents would be really keen to hear, especially I've got really um, supportive parents, but they'd watched me work so hard, work so hard to get this scholarship to go to this school to get a good ATAR. And then um, I think for them, it was like I was throwing that away a bit. Um, so I just decided I loved my music and I wanted to see what I could do with it. And I thought, I can go back to wildlife conservation, especially these days you can do a bridging course, you can get into uni yeah, of at a much later age and whatnot. But I thought if I'm going to follow music, I've got to do it now while I'm enjoying it, while I've got people keen to come to my shows. And that, um, just embrace the opportunity, yeah. Exactly. So a um, couple months after that, I ended up in the Fairbridge Quest with the Fairbridge Festival and um, I was one of the lucky winners of that, that year, so that's a songwriting competition. Um, so I got to play at the festival. I got mentored at the festival by John Butler and Mama Kin. Bruh. And um, <laughs> so sick. A few other bits and bobs there. Got recording time at John Butler's studio and um, a professional photo shoot and all this other great stuff. And um, I think at that point, a lot of people who were sort of still a bit um and an iron about whether I made the right decision. Um, they sort of went, oh, okay, now nah, we might be on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, um, just like two weeks in, bang, done. Can't, I don't want to do ATAR anymore. Like people think about that stuff. They're like, oh, no, nah, I don't want to. I've done a year ATAR or I've done two years of my degree. 
like that takes courage, man, to just be like, you know, yeah, mum, dad, nan, pop, this is what I'm gonna do. Like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. This is my dream. I'm committed to it. Mm. Hard for them to accept, but courageous for you to do that because you never know. Like, you might have looked like you've done doing very well and would do way like bigger and better things, but you could have failed. Like, you could have just bombed out, and you know. Yeah, that's it, and it was scary. And because yeah. I, I was. I wasn't like a straight A student, but I was doing pretty well in my ATAR in, in year 11. And it just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was going into that year going, yes, this is, this is what I want to do. I'm going to finish my ATAR and I'm going to go to uni um, and I'm going to do this um, career in uh, you know, wildlife conservation. And I just, over that holidays, I'd won this fellowship with Earthwatch and done this, um, this uh, conservation course over in South Australia um, and so I was ready to go. I was like, yes, let's do this. But yeah, two weeks in and I'm going, I'm really enjoying the music. Yeah. So I did a lot of songwriting over that summer too and a lot of gigs at pubs and stuff and just thought, oh, this this feels really good. Yeah. Let's see where this goes. Yeah, and yeah just I mean, Brad had said it before, that courage to just do like a kind of change your angle a bit and just take everything and tr- like even trusting your instincts and just like, fuck, I'm going to go this way. Yeah. And there's, and that's uh, like, and even part of that's just, um, you're really gaining ownership in, in your own life and that responsibility. Yeah. And because, I mean, you've, I mean, a lot of the, your time you've been out and about and then kind of having to be responsible for yourself and your actions and what's on. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, I think, boarding school sort of took that away from me a little bit I think I wanted to take it back Mm. as well in in a way um, reflecting on it now Um, it's easy at those schools to feel like you're just lost um, in the chaos and you're a bit of a number rather than a person and I think um, music helped me to stay in touch with that with yourself yeah and and you know I um, often after school go up to the music rooms and practice and play and that was my release um and that's sort of how it all started I guess yeah um so yeah it was an interesting time for sure but uh no regrets <laughs> yeah um and with that um and touching your journey and even prior to Aquinas uh we, we mentioned we wanted to talk about this at the start of the episode and um just in terms of what shaped you as a person um, and a major part that, that I'm well aware of that's been part of your family is when you were a bit younger and um, I can't remember how old you were exactly, but yeah, you lost your little brother, Isaac. Yes. Uh, so yeah, when I was 11 years old, um, we went uh, fishing one night um, at a place called Thomas River, uh, Easter Esperance. And um, on the way back, uh, Mum hit a pothole and, and um, unfortunately we, we crashed and um, Isaac didn't make it. Um, yeah, that's definitely the biggest thing in my life that um, has shaped me and formed me into who I am today. Um, and it was bloody tough. Yeah. Um, but it's funny how, you know, time and attitude can really change things because I look back at it now and I think you know 
as much as there is anything that I would do um, to get Isaac back and to have him sitting right next to me, sitting with us right now, that whole situation has really formed my life and shaped me as a person. And I don't really know if I necessarily would like the person that I would be um, if that never happened. Um, you know, it was a catalyst um, and it took a long time, but it has yeah shaped me into who I am today. And, um, you know, I definitely didn't just get straight to this mindset. Mm. It took a long time. It took a very, very long time. I, you know, it's that grieving process. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I was the, even though Josh and I are twins, I was always sort of the oldest of, of, um, of the four boys. And um, I think I took it upon myself at the ripe old age of 11. To be the man. Yeah. To, to be strong, I saw my parents and my brothers and all my family and friends all, all, all struggling. Um, and so I bottled my shit up and, oh, sorry, can I? Sw- yeah, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bottled it up and, um, yeah, uh, that just led to issues later on. Um, and, you know, trying to be strong for everyone else. Um, that's a lot of pressure for a, an 11 year old. So then, um, just after, just almost a year after Isaac passed, we decided to move up to Newman for a bit of a new beginning. Um, and it was bloody tough and we did not want to go. Um, but I think it was the best thing that my parents could have done for us, not just for the new beginning, but for the opportunities that arose from going to the Pilbara. Um, uh, but yeah, I wasn't doing that great, but I was okay. And then we had a, uh, when I was in year eight, I believe, yeah, uh, year eight or nine, we had a girl, um, in our school pass away. I didn't know her that well. Um, she, but she was the year above me and it's a, it's a small town, you know, there was only yeah, 200, town as well. Yeah. 200 odd people, kids at the school. Um, and so even though I didn't really know her that well, it really affected me because it brought up all of this stuff that I hadn't dealt with. Um, and I, yeah, became quite depressed and, um, was, was, yeah, not doing well at all. Um, and luckily I had some good mates around me that helped me pull myself out. But one person in particular was um, a really, really great help. And that was um, a lady called Chelsea Randall, who um, was up there as the uh, V-Swans development um, sort of uh, regional manager um, with Swan Districts Football Club. And she taught me about um, mind over matter, you know, staying positive. And she, as a female AFL player, um, I was going to touch on that. Yeah. She um, really, you know, had a lot of struggle um, early on in her career, of course. Um, and so she was a really great influence because I knew that what she was saying was what she'd been through. And, um, you know, so she's talking about looking at the positives and, and even if you fail, look at what you learned from it and take that as the positive and, and 
all that sort of stuff. And I don't think she even really knows how much that helped me at the time, but um, that really helped me to push through. And then I found music yeah. and songwriting and um, it has just become not just with grief, but with dealing with anything in my everyday life. It has become what I do um, to deal with my stress and my anxiety and my demons, you know, um, being able to write down uh, how you're feeling, putting it into song and and then performing it is, is the best part. That's where the real release comes in. Um, it's, it's like, you know, some people uh, – like to deal with stress by sitting in their car and <laughs> yelling at the top of their lungs or, yeah. or you know, there's the whole uh, demolition therapy oh, yeah. um, where you yeah. smash up a car or a room or whatever. Um, and that's what singing these songs feels like for me. I've got two songs in particular. Um, the first one I wrote when I was 17. I remember when you um, first showed me that song. Yeah, it's called Oh Little Brother and that basically just... Just quickly, is that, um, have you got like a, like, is that out? That Yeah, so. Um, we'll put that, if we can, we'll try and put that. It is on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll chuck, awesome. we'll, can we come up with a link? Mm. Yeah, we'll chuck awesome. the link. Yeah, sweet as. Yeah, so, listen. Oh Little Brothers, um, out everywhere. Um, but that song is just, a, is basically just the story of, of us, um, our family and, and losing Isaac and, you know, dealing with that straight afterwards and then it, you know, skips to however many years later. And we've got a little sister now and we, you know, um, are all living our life and whatnot, but we're, you know, still holding on to that grief and that pain, which will never go away. Mm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's been a journey in itself with that song. I never thought that would reach anyone else's ears when I first wrote it. And then, you know, started showing a few family members and stuff and they loved it. And, uh, but I was never going to perform it live. And then... Um, when I was doing this uh, session with John Butler and Mama Kin at the Fairbridge Festival, I asked them, well, I said to them, I've got this song. Um, and I told them what it was about, but I said, I'm not sure if it's too personal to sing. I'm not sure how I feel about that. And they said, the more personal, the more you connect with your audience. Um, so it's up to you because we understand it's a hard topic to sing about. It's that true vulnerability, yeah. 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 But they, they said, you know, show your audience your vulnerability and they will appreciate it. And so I sang it and, you know, the whole crowd loved it, had people after my set. Yeah, everyone, everyone crying, especially my mum in the front row. <laughs> mm. um, but had people lining up after I had probably six or seven people waiting to talk to me and share their stories after my set um, about um, their history with grief and and um, people that they've lost. And, and it was just so beautiful. And, you know, I was 17 and um, for some it might be a bit overwhelming and I definitely thought that would be the sort of thing that would overwhelm me, but it, it wasn't. It was this beautiful sharing of vulnerability for people. Because that time when you open up gives everyone permission to open up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, then uh, after that, you know, we'd play it at a few gigs and, and stuff. And um, then uh, 20, 
19, the Waifs came up to Port Hedland and I got chatting with them after the show. And um, Donna, I was, well, I was telling them about my about that song and Donna said, give me your phone. <laughs> and I passed her my phone and she um, she said, I'm going to call you. Oh, you call me next time in your, you're in Frio and I'm going to take you to studio to record that song. Cool. So that's what we did. And um, a couple of years later, it's released onto Spotify and um, out there for the world to hear. And, you know, I, I didn't know how it would get, um, how, how people would respond. Um, but the response has been incredible. And, you know, it's a pretty sad song um, and not one that I thought people would be listening to every day. But we're still getting more and more streams on it, um, you know, a year and a half later. So um, I'm hoping that by putting it out there, it's helping other people. Um, just like, you know, songs like that helped me when, when I was going through through grief, you know, helping people to realise that they're not alone. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that song has been a huge part of this whole journey. Um, and then I've got this other song called Feeling Rough, which is more about my side rather than the whole family, um, about dealing with grief and, and PTSD and, and the depression that comes with that and anxiety. And um, so that one is not recorded yet. But um, if you want to hear it, we've got um, plenty of gigs coming up around the place um, and hopefully we'll have that recorded and ready for your ears by the end of the year. We'll include those all those dates in the show notes as well. But, um, man, there's just so much to unpack. And I just like I just wanted to add that, like you said before, that from the age of 11 and, and above, it's crazy. Like, yeah, I mean, you've unpacked a lot, but it's just crazy just like that expectation for someone to go through something like that because you don't, you, don't, you don't get taught how to cope with those things from age and like, and yeah. until those things happen. That's so right. In that kind of case, life's the best teacher, I guess. And, and then going for, to that swans lady, she yeah just told you one thing that resonated with you mm. most and you've gone with that and then just grown. And yeah. Learned. Thanks mate. And, and especially us blokes, you know, we, we, uh, um, definitely not given the, the tools or the skills, um, to be able to um, process, let alone show emotions, um, especially the harder to talk about ones, you know, um, feeling down and, and um, depressed and sad or even um, how to deal with anger and, and that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, that's the, one of the messages that we try to spread as a collective with, with the band is, is vulnerability and, and um, being okay with being sad and, and keeping in touch with yourself, checking in on yourself, checking in on your friends um, because it is so important because, you know, the, the black dog, as I say at all my shows, he's a sneaky little bugger and, mm. and um, he, can, he can sneak up behind people and, and take them away and, and um, some people don't come back, unfortunately. So um, that's, yeah, a message that we are very... Um, keen to share at, at every show and very much part of what we're all about as a band. Well, that's what, like, I guess part of Switched On is also about. It's like it is part of getting switched on your everyday life, but it's also knowing that in these in these rough times, like finding those things that can help you to get switched on and onto a, a better path. And so, like, for yourself, you ought to find, f for you being music, and then 
I guess my question for you would be like for other people that go through their dark times, how, how do you think they can find a time or find a thing that they can do to help them through the rough times and get switched on, I guess? That's a really good question um, because everyone's different, yeah. right? So I think um, the most important thing is, is to remind yourself of the things you love because it's hard sometimes when you are in that state um, to remember that there's there's something that you're passionate about or something that you enjoy doing. Find those things and and try and um, do them. And if you can, do them by yourself, even if you have to do them with people for a little bit. Do them, find a way to do them by yourself because I think finding solace in these activities is really important. Um, obviously, it's always great to have a good community of people around you supporting you. So if you can do them, these activities or things with other people too, great, do that. But we always end up, you know, by ourselves at some point in the week, um, whether it's at home or um, at work or um, wherever it might be. And when you're feeling down, you know, that time can... Um, consume you you know you can consume yourself in your own thoughts so finding being able to do something and find solace in that I think is um, very important because uh, (laughs) a lot of people I'm sure are like me when you're not feeling well um, in the head those voices can get very loud yeah and yeah it can be really hard so that would be that would be 100% my my advice is is find something to focus your brain on. That's a great answer. I love that answer. Um, mate, I just like I haven't really talked at all during this podcast because I've been listening. And when I grew up in Esperance and and knew about what happened, um, man, I'm I'm fucking I'm, I'm, that's the first time I've ever sworn this podcast. I'm choking <laughs> up, mate. Like it's brought up a lot of memories for myself through things that I've gone through. That, it, but, mate, for you to share that with us the audience but for me to just be able to listen to that story and I we're big here on you know tell you tell your story tell your journey and how you do it's different obviously um how everyone does that's different but it's not about you like and that's what you've literally just said like your you wrote the song yeah you might have got your feelings out but it was for other people for them to be able to open up and and discuss grief and and their tra- their trauma, sorry, and mate, that's huge. And I want just want to say, like, I don't even know what to say. I'm actually like, I'm honestly being speechless, mate, because like I'm dead set about choke up here. Like that was like was so special. powerful, man. And I just want you to know that what you're doing and and sharing your story and making it bigger than yourself. Like you like you touched on it. Like, you're like I'm not here to, you know, I'm not writing this song for me. I'm writing this for other people. And like expressing that emotion through music for you, it might be someone else, but just remembering that what you're going through, someone else is going through. And if you can be honest, vulnerable and open up and discuss that because your story is bigger than yourself and it's there to help other people. And um, mate, yeah, just, I just wanted to say that was unbelievable. Um, and I hope that, I know the listeners really got a lot out of that, but you know, from someone that grew up in Esperance and knew what had happened, but obviously not. The context. the context and the detail and and everything. I just want to say, mate, that's it's it's an inspiration. 
to what you've done and, and how you've gone about it and just listening to you talk about, you know, finding solitude and, and these sort of things. Like you've gone in a direction that not a lot of people would have gone in in terms of how you deal with it, what, the way you've done, the way you've grown, the lessons you've learned from that, the way you put that into your life. It's, um yeah, it's incredible, mate. So I just want to say how inspired and I'm like literally a bit speechless like it's, it's unbelievable listening to <laughs> thanks, it thanks for that bro thanks so much yeah um and yeah i guess that's the whole point of it is is and that's why i was so stoked to be able to come on onto the pod podcast today is because you know we talk about it at uh, at the gigs and whatnot but how can i sit there and talk about it if i'm not actually doing it myself so um you know being able to come here and, and talk about it today is is such an honour. So thank thanks for having me. <laughs> no, um, I mean, we can keep going for a little bit more. <laughs> I think, but um, I mean, because last time I had a family member on was was my old man after he had that heart attack, and I mentioned to you when I called you this morning how awesome it is just to get my cousin on a, on a body. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I was looking forward to this for the last couple of weeks. We went to this last week, but it's, it's just been so great, man. And um, I'm keen to. Like, see where this goes, like where your career goes into the future. Eh? What do you What do you reckon uh, is like forecasting? Do you reckon for next year or two? Oh, it's it's, it's hard to say because it's such a fickle industry, yeah. and and uh, I, you know, you can probably hear in my voice. I'm very excited about what the next year brings, but you know, things like COVID can just come up, and and you know, when that came up, it was like. <laughs> What am I doing now? I literally just moved from Port Hedland to follow my music and I ended up having a move in with my grandparents and I couldn't even go go see a gig, let, it, let alone play a gig. But um, hopefully everything keeps uh, going on track. We've been trying to get into the studio for about a year now. Stuff keeps coming up, unfortunately. So um, we've had to put that money elsewhere. But hopefully in the next couple of months, we're going to get into studio get a few tracks down and, and we'll release them as soon as possible um, for our listeners because uh, even though you've, you've got the song Oh Little Brother on Spotify, that's just me solo. Um, so we want to get stuff out there with the whole band yeah. for people to go and listen to after a gig to get excited for the next gig. Um, and then studio time again, hopefully before the end of the, end of the year to um, get an EP recorded. And uh, hopefully, yeah, release that uh, early next year. Um, we've also got a, a couple of applications into a few different festivals. I Sick. can't say which ones oh. um, because we haven't been accepted yet. Um, but and I don't really want to <laughs> <laughs> don't want to jinx it. Um, but uh, we we just um, yeah want to play as many gigs as possible. This year, a focus for us has been. Um, uh, wanting to do more support gigs and we don't care who we're supporting. Um, we just want to do more and, and expand our audience because the last two years have been great, um, but we've been finding, we've been doing mostly um, headline shows, which sounds really cool, but our audience is sort of plateauing a little bit, yeah. um, getting the same people along. So we want to reach new people. Um, so if you're listening and you've got a band and you've got a show coming up, uh, <laughs> give us a message. Um, but yeah, we, we just want to do as, as much as possible this year and, and, uh, hopefully next year, keep playing, um, bigger and, and better shows. Um, 
more festivals. Festivals are our absolute favourite. Um, and yeah, just get some music out there. What um, what's your what's your like? This is the festival we want to be at. Like, can you say that? Or if you put an application, you probably put an application in no, for that. No, I mean, can't. like if there was like one festival, we'd be like, um, we want to headline this. Oh, we not headline. I but. mean, we'd we'd love to play it at something like um, Blues at Bridgetown. See, um, but I mean, Nanup Music Festival. Like we so. would love to go back there. We played there. Um, this year, I've pl- I've played once before solo back in 2020, but the band had never done that one before. Um, so I know that, uh, that those guys um, would love to go back and, and I would love to go back. We had such an amazing time um, and uh, we got given some great, great time slots and whatnot as well. So we were really stoked. Um, Blues at Bridgetown, we've applied the last couple of years um, but we get knocked back each time. So hopefully this year we might be able to get an application in and, and um, uh, sorry, get an application that's accepted. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but um, I mean, just any of the other um, festivals going on, on around the, the country, you know, um, the Wallaby Creek uh, Folk Festival up in North Queensland. <laughs> Such a country bloke. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was expecting like, you know. DTM. <laughs> yeah, like something. Like, I don't know too many festivals, but I was oh. like, I'm thinking like Coachella, bro. Like, <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking this bloke's going to say, like, I know it's a bit different music, but like, there's got to be like, I don't know too Ooh. much about your style of music, a lot of. So, but I wasn't expecting you to say Bridgetown. <laughs> like, Man, All right. I, I just love it how that's that's you. Like, well, look, we we would love to play at like you know at Falls or or Laneway, but you know, and maybe one day we will. But <laughs> you know, we're we're trying to also be a bit realistic here and go. Well, that was a really great time at, at that country um, country folk festival um, the other month or or this one the, last year. So we just want to keep doing those and build up our. Um, experience at festivals and you know each time we do do a festival we get given better and better slots and so you know hopefully work our way up to some some really good sort of nighttime spots and well i hope um, you can make it to the snake pit one day mate (laughs) (laughs) so snake pit for everyone out there is the the nightclub in esperance best nightclub in the world uh, (laughs) looking i went there eh? (laughs) oh it's an experience man but have you ever played what when you go to esperance right because there's a few little like Sunday sessions. Do you do you still like those sort of gigs? Like the little. I remember not, like Josh at the race course, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like because, like, do you do you enjoy things like that? Like the little like the little Sunday session, like just your local pub where there's like, you know, in Esperance it's the brewery at the moment that they do yeah. the Sunday session. So there might be, you know, fifty to um, you know, hundred people maybe on a good summer's Sunday, are they? Like, do you still enjoy that so stuff? I, I went down. Yeah, I absolutely love it. You know, the passion is in the mu- original music uh, and the, my favourite gigs are with the band doing that. But, you know, uh, I went down to Esperance over summer for about three weeks and I did um, a, a handful of yeah, <laughs> handful of gigs while I was down there and um, I did the brewery twice, actually. Um, one for a Sunday sesh. Um, I was supposed to play for an hour and a half and... Um, I chucked a few originals in there, but it was mostly covers. You know, you've got to pick your audience, I guess. Um, but they were loving it so much that um, 
they were begging me for more. Well, <laughs> so I, can, I ended up oh, playing. Oh, and and, and oh, um, I can say it's true because my parents were there. <laughs> and they loved it, mate. Like my um, dad and, and, and stepmom down there still and little sister. And I remember them like saying, oh, like, because my brother, um, you know, he's into his music as well, my older brother. And he was Steve saying, o. nah, that's, nah, my older, older brother, oh. Brent, big Brent. I don't talk, I haven't talked about him much. No. But, um, like, because he loves music and they were too like, they were saying like, like this kid is a gun, like genuine, like <laughs> vocals. <Truly. and>, yeah. <laughs> so, I've, been, like, I've been wanting to say this, this whole episode, listeners. Yes. I'm talking to you. Okay. Lockie is fucking unique as, and you should definitely get down to his gigs. His eyes. is a great way to describe Like it's, it's just like. Yeah, they were just, mate, but I can back you up. Like, they were loving it, mate. And well, that's, that's good. Yeah, that was a fun gig. And, and you know, like um, I didn't want to get off the stage. So, yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 it was fine. I, I think I played like five or six encore songs because <laughs> they were just going more. We had people dancing and afterwards the manager came out. And she said, I've never seen that happen here for a Sunday sesh before. Um so that was really cool. And then the next gig I did there was like a week or two later with um, some really good mates of mine, uh, Joan and the Giants. Um, uh, we've played a few shows with them, but they were on tour down there. And, and Kaiser, who's, who's an absolute legend, books all, all the gigs down there around that region. Um, uh, he, I messaged him about it and he's like, yeah, if, you, if you're still down here, we'll get you on the gig with them. So it was really cool. I got to do a show in Esperance at the brewery with, um, with some of my great mates from, awesome, from Perth, um, yeah. who I, you know, have, have, uh, who I met the first time I played at Nanup actually. Um, so yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing about the music scene is the relationships you make. Um, uh, and that has been really one of the main things that has kept me going as well. Not just because they're the sort of, you know, you make connections and network and they give you opportunities and whatnot, but just having friends in the industry who you can hang out with and gig with and talk to, you know, Joan and the Giants are a great example. Played with them a couple of times. They've become really good mates. We're doing a show with them in mid-November at The Bird. Um, so that's a little way off still, but that's going to be awesome. Um, and then people like Kaiser who... I know if I'm going to Esperance, I can just send him a message or give him a call and he'll he'll put me on a show somewhere, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. They, um, they do that well down there, eh? Oh, absolutely. I think Kaiser probably is one of the best um, in the industry at what he does. You know, f for a country town to have a music scene that is pumping like Esperance um, is incredible and, and it's all pretty much all because of him yeah he has just worked and worked and worked and um is all about the artists and make sure everyone gets paid properly and um yeah it's he's he's an incredible man one thing i just want to touch on quickly as well you kind of mentioned before is like the gig scene so for our listeners out there as well depending on like we're still we're trying to reach like the younger demographic whether they're still in school or like by the time you're old enough or if you're not old enough I think it's like a big thing for me is what I've enjoyed and part of my growth journey in Perth has been able to actually go to gigs and I understand like 
Um, even if you're not 18, you're not quite drinking yet. Like you can still go to these gigs and just go there for the music and purely enjoy that. Talk to people, like you mentioned before, get to meet some new people. I think it's just good out there getting out of your normal environment. Absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously if you are under 18 and you're wanting to go to a show, you, most, most venues are happy with that as long as you've got a parental guardian. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I suppose your folks, for those kids out there listening, would be more keen for you to go to see a live band rather than go to a, a nightclub or, or something like oh, that anyway. So, so much more depth to it. Like you're literally seeing, like I love just standing there and watching yourself play another accent. You're just there, you're present, and you're just watching this piece of art. It mm. is, it is, it's an artist. And the scene is... They're going to work. Especially um, here in WA, the scene is incredible. It's, it's... Um, so open and friendly I've found since moving down. Like I, from the couple of festivals and gigs I um, would come down and do um, before I moved back down here, um, I knew a few people. But um, since moving down three years ago, going out to gigs and whatnot, I found it very easy to make friends. And uh, I was worried about that moving down, you know, Am I going to be able to find people that will hang out with me? <laughs> and, um, had this little, you know, voice in the back of my head. Um, and as soon as I went out, I was fine. I had, you know, lots of people seeing me sitting there having a drink by myself, coming over, saying g'day. And, um, you know, some of those people I now call my closest friends. So um, it's a really, really beautiful scene. And um, there's so many amazing artists as well. Yeah. A lot of great talent here in Perth. Yeah, well said. So, yeah, I think um, getting the wrap-up signal from break. Cause, yeah, we're all getting towards the end, but, mate, thank you for, so much for coming in. It's been a great episode, and we'll be sure to include where we can find you on, on, in the show notes, which is at Lockie John, your personal account, the band's account, your Spotify account. Mate, we'll, we'll plug you in everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's It's been great coming on and, and having a chat, um, and, yeah, hope – um, hope to see some of you listeners and you two boys at a gig soon. Mate, absolutely. I'm there. I love it. Mate, we um, appreciate you coming on, taking your time, sharing your journey. Um, like I said earlier, mate, incredible. And I know listeners would have got a lot out of that. But um, yeah, keen to come listen to the man. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for tuning in for another episode and we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you liked it, please like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave a review, all that jazz. We love your support and we'd love for you to continue supporting us. If you want more info and want to know what we've got coming up, please head to our Instagram, chuck us a follow. And even check out our website for more episodes, resources, recommendations and lots, lots, lots more. Links are attached in the description below. Cheers.